Welcome to Sardisms, where we take great ideas and bring them together to have great conversations. This week, we're speaking with Declan Green, who finished his first year at Kent and Medway Medical School at the University of Kent in Canterbury. Declan has worked incredibly hard to get where he is today and was the lucky recipient of several awards, including the Sard Prize, which rewards a first-year student with top marks at KMMS. We were so impressed with Declan's ambition, so we invited him to join us on Sardisms to tell us all about his first year and what it took to get where he is. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about your history and why you're here today? Yeah, so uh, so I'm Declan. I am a medical student at Kent and Medway Medical School, uh, which is the brand new medical school in Canterbury. Um, so we have just finished our first year. Um, I did quite well. And I was awarded the Saad Prize, which obviously is you guys. Um, <laughs> so very grateful for that prize. And and yeah, that's pretty much so. I'm here doing your podcast um, to tell you about my first year and, and everything else, really. Can you tell me a little bit about the Saad Prize? So um, the Saad Prize was awarded for the person that got the highest in the year. So yeah, I obviously did okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I worked pretty hard. And yeah. so yeah, um, the prize was, award- prize was awarded. Obviously Saad's a... I had a little look at it uh, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago. It's a pretty cool company. Yeah. I didn't really know things like that existed. So, and yeah, so the, the obviously SADA uh, donating this prize to the uni, which is really nice of them and helping us, our students get through our course. Yeah. And giving a little incentive along the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what, what made you decide to go into medical school? To be honest, I don't really know where it first started, but I was, I was really young. I was like nine or 10 or something. That's what my parents always say. Um, I think I just like watched the, the, sh- the, the shows on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of set myself um, on that. I just said when I was like 10, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. And and it went from there. Ever since, I've just been, you know what, I'm going to do that. I, I enjoyed science at school and I've always been doing that. And I've had a little bit of experience in like healthcare and stuff. And I've really enjoyed that. Um, so I definitely chose the right thing. Well on the way now. Yeah. So you kind of had like a tough going to get into medical school. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a silly degree to get onto. There's just so many criteria you have to meet and out of school, which is obviously what most, how most people go in, they go straight out of, out of A-levels. Um, mm. I just didn't do well enough. Mm. Um, I retook year 12, um, my first year of A-levels because I didn't do too good. I still didn't do great after the second try. Um, obviously still quite good, but just not amazing. Yeah. Um, not high enough to, to apply. So I applied to do biomedical science at uni and I did that at University of Kent. And essentially that my aim was just to do that degree to get into medical school. And I just knew that I had to go, I had to go and do that. So I did that. That was a three year degree. I really enjoyed it to be fair. It, it's helped me massively with uni. Mm. And yeah, so I finished that degree, had a year to myself and now I managed to get in. So it's definitely been a longer road than most. Yeah, that's all right though. There's um there's a lot of graduates though. There, there, there's like nearly 30 of us on the course out of uh, like 100. Um, so there's lots of people in similar position to me. There's some people that have done a lot more than me. There's a few mm. people that have done not quite as much as me. So so yeah, it's how you get his one thing, but we're all here now. Yeah. So with that year off that you had, did you gather some experience or... I did. So, I mean, just before, uh, when, I, when I kind of finished, I started volunteering in a care home just like one or two days a week. I joined then after a while, the wellbeing team there and I became a permanent member of staff. I was just kind of relaxed, trying to relax after the year and, and enjoy myself. But I started working there a little bit more uh, and then COVID struck and everything mm, became mm-hmm. very different. Right. If everything kind of locked down, I was working at the home. I actually moved in for a month 
um, and I lived there when things were kind of the worst. Wow. And yeah, I've, I've, I've carried on working there. So that was that was kind of my thing for the year. But when I joined uni, I, I had to make a decision on, on what I was going to do for work. And I joined the care team there. Um, so now I'm working basically at the weekends at the care home um, and I'm still doing that. That's been really helpful with uni, helped me with loads of stuff. And in the same way, like that's helped me with uni, uni's helped me with the care home. So that was kind of my year off and it's just, it's just carried on really the, the whole of COVID. So it's been a weird transition <laughs> yeah. into everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Tell us a little bit about your first year at KMMS. Yeah. So first year, it's been a bit different to, to how my previous degree was pretty much everything online which in some ways I really loved and in some ways I it wasn't as good I'm, I'm quite happy to do lectures online from a bed no problem don't have to get up don't have to go anywhere um so that suits me fine but it's, it's been a strange year in terms of like interaction and things we were lucky enough to get like a welcome week at the start where we kind of met all of our colleagues um otherwise we literally just wouldn't have even known each other so that was really good that the uni managed to get that into place did you meet at all did you meet later in course or it, it was right and just before we started basically mm. so in, in the welcome week they put they kind of split the cohort into two halves and we were able to to meet each other um for a few sessions in the week so that was very helpful because i kind of i knew a few people it, it would have been so i think it would have been so hard to go into sessions and things without knowing anyone at all so i met a few people I realised that people were a lot more local than I thought. There was a lot, some people that I kind of knew of already. And then, yeah, they went, just went back into um, to all online stuff um, for the most part. We, we were able to get placements in person, which was, which was really good. We had six weeks of GP, GP placement this year and we were able to go every time um, around the lockdowns and things. So that was, that was really good. Patient contact was limited, but it was still there for, for most people. And yeah, and it sort of as, as the year kind of progressed and into the last parts of the year, um, things went more back to normal. We were able to get some sessions at uni where we learned more clinical skills because that was all kind of put on hold mm-hmm. um, at the start. Exams were, were back in person just about by the end. And yeah, now, now everything is, is kind of back to pretty much normal. So yeah, I enjoyed the year, definitely. It was um, it was nice to get back into a routine and things. So you, you go into GP surgery. So could, um, I mean, some of our listeners all, all know about the kind of medical education journey. Some of them won't, especially those coming in from a kind of tech angle. So how, how does it work? Do they teach you about the body just generally or like, and then you, you go straight in, you, you're going into GP surgeries or, but not hospitals or. Yeah, it's odd because most most unis start with hospital placement in third year, um, and that's your kind of first like patient contact at all. Uh, you don't even do GP placements until later on after that. But part of um, KMMS their their ideas is that they want us to be like you know you know more rounded doctors. We have more people skills, um, so we've had this this option or well, not an option. This this been this opportunity um, to have this contact right from the beginning. So we've had six weeks last year and we've got seven weeks this year where we kind of, we are put in a, a PCN, so like a local care network with, with a few different practices. And we've been able to go in, shadow doctors, um, shadow the nurses. Yeah, we've had, we've had lots of patient contact already. So um, the GPs have been able to teach us like things right from fresh. We've been able to examine patients and speak to patients, help the nurses with different things. And I know this year that we're going to be uh, shortly taught how to kind of vaccinate and stuff like that. So we're going to be able to, to massively jump in on the vaccination this winter at the surgeries. So that's been you're really gonna, interesting. You're going to get a needle in your hand. Have you injected anybody yet? 
I've I've never injected anybody yet. Okay. No, the, the first one's got it coming. <laughs> right. My mum, my mum's a nurse, and uh, she's done so many injections. She's always like, "Go get the nurses to do it. Don't get the doctors to do it." <laughs> the nurses are generally practiced uh, doing this. Definitely. Yeah. You don't want a doctor taking your blood. <laughs> don't don't ask for them to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's been the GP placement this year, which has it's been really good to have that contact um, because most most unis, most medical schools that we've heard, people have just been online, and that that's literally it. So that was that was yeah. really good to get that that side of things. Did you get a chance to meet each other towards the end of the year? Because we went to the award ceremony where you. Um, I don't think you need to become a doctor anymore because you won so many prizes. Uh, <laughs> you'd probably just retire on that prize money. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it. You, you, <laughs> were like the grand, you were like the grand old Duke of York, <laughs> just up and down, up and down those stairs. Oh, there was a couple of us doing that. I was embarrassed for you. I know, yeah, it was... No, it was, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, great. It was, it was good. I'm, uh, yeah, happy <laughs> with what I've done. Had to work hard for it. So yeah, but it seemed like there was good camaraderie at the awards ceremony. Yeah, massively. So how did that, did that come about from like meeting online? I mean, I've got friends that uh, I've made friendships online, and they kind of feel like normal friendships, but and we've never met in person. But you, you guys seem to have bit of a connection yeah so obviously we met a little bit to begin with um we were then all of our groups even though we were online we obviously we were generally in the same groups there was there's like two or three different sets of groups that we're in um so we were able to build a a good friendship with those people even though it was online uh we did have sessions in person still when it was possible when the restrictions weren't too bad so we just kept meeting different people from the group and as the year went on, obviously more things became in person um, and we started doing some different kind of topics. So in the end, I, I, we did let, meet most people in the cohort. And as well, I mean, I, I live at home, so it's different for me, but most people there are all living together anyway. So mm. they all kind of knew each other. Oh, okay. So f- for them, it's a little bit different maybe f- than it was for me. But as the year went on, by the end, everything was, by the lectures, everything was kind of in person. So we all did get to meet and have that relationship. And it has been, it's, I've been really surprised at how friendly everyone is on the course. I know it sounds kind of funny, but on my, on my last degree, I, there was like 200 of us and I spoke to maybe like 20 people over three years. Yeah. And on this degree, I had met like half the cohort in two days yeah so yeah it's it's been a good atmosphere yeah well i mean it's very people-oriented career right yeah yeah that's that's what it sounds like kmms are trying to do as well get you into the actual surgeries early get you you know doing the actual shadowing the job and and see how much of it is about how you relate to patients and management of expectation and convincing people towards or like I always think like one of the skill sets that must come that must be needed for so many doctors is actually to be persuasive in terms of some of the ideas that you're proffering to people whether it's like nutritionally or that kind of like you can't you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink sort of thing so so much of it must be people skills yeah I mean people aren't people don't want to believe you they're not going to believe you or listen to you if you don't if they don't like you and you have to be able to speak to, to anyone that's going to come to you it's all good knowing it all but if you can't tell someone about it, then then what's the point? Yeah. So that that's massive, and I'm I'm glad it's it's more focused on that because it's it's more interesting. Mm. Were you with the same GP every day, or did I mean, you get a chance to get to know them much? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was really lucky. I was in a really small practice. It's a, like a little country practice. So I met all of the doctors, all the nurses. Um, we got spend to spend time with all of them. Um, we were kind of based between a couple of surgeries as well within the within the PCN. So I was at two surgeries and met some other doctors as well. So that was really cool. We helped. We went to a few of like the vaccination clinics and met other people. 
So we got to see how lots of different people work, mm. things that we just, you'd just never, you'd like, you'd never know what happens in a GP practice unless you went and did that. No. People have all these little, these ideas of what their GPs are doing during COVID, but actually they they, they don't have any idea. It's, it's very different there. Is it? Oh, go on, tell us. That, yeah. that sounds intriguing. Well, Where's the gap between the public perception and what's actually, what actually happened last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I seem to see a lot on social media um, because people can't get maybe GP appointments like they used to have or can't just walk in. It's, oh, what are the GPs doing? They're not seeing people. They're not doing anything. But actually, my surgery had lots of lots of patients in, but the patients that, that needed to be seen in person. And, and there, was, there was generally always a few patients in the surgery. Um, and if they weren't having those patients in, it was just call after call after call. So where before you might have seen, I don't know, 20 patients in a day on your, on your clinic, they, were, they had like double that amount because they were calling them and then they were able to, to, to sort of go around the times of that a little bit more rather than working to specific appointments. So actually they were speaking to way more people and they only saw the people that really had to be seen. And in some ways, I guess that that could cause problems for some people, but in other ways, it, it's a good way to prioritize things on a service that's obviously already quite burdened with patients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've had this triage effect, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And obviously I know people aren't too happy to talk to receptionists, but the receptionists are all trained and, and they do put all of the things through to the doctor. The nurses are still seeing everyone they have to see. They've still got their dressings every day, their vaccines every day, their bloods every day. And, and in a way, I mean, obviously where I work in the care home as well, I kind of know how much care home staff contact GPs. So if I'm, if I'm emailing a GP like five times in a day, and think of how many other care homes they have to look for. Think, I just, I just, it's mental to think how many people will be trying to get hold of a GP every day, yeah. and they have to manage that somehow. I think it was, it was, it was pretty good the way they were managing things. Yeah, and did the GPs uh, give you any advice? Yeah, you know, to someone coming into their career, there's quite bad morale, as you say. They're getting a lot of flack, aren't they, in the media and things like that. Would they do it again? Or did they put you off? No. Or were they like, no, no, this has been good? They've all found their way there and, and they've got where they want to be. I don't think any of them would change it, to be honest. My main, my main, the, the GP, that, um, the practice owner at the, the surgery I was mainly at, he's probably one of the most chilled out guys ever as well. Um, so he was just like, come in, yeah, come in, it's, it's fine. You know what, just, just do it and you'll be all right. So that was very good. It was nice to see that he had that attitude still. Mm because it's easy to think how, how stressed you could easily be and it just wasn't like that. So that was nice. That you can do it, that you can keep a even... A balance. Even balance. Good, mm. good for that guy. Yeah, that, no, they're all really cool. They're all really encouraging of us and, and yeah, happy with what we were doing. They're all excited to have us, I think, as well. Yeah. Extra hands, absolutely. Mm. Did they give you yeah. any advice? Um, study. <laughs> <laughs> like forever. Um, yeah, basically, just do yeah. that all day long. Um, I mean, we spoke a lot about specialties and, and how we want to get to places. Mm. I think the advice was that because we'd all come from such different places, especially on my placement, there was such a mix of us where we'd come from. It was just, just get your work done, enjoy yourself and you'll get where you kind of want to be. And it just wasn't the pressure that I was expecting. I was expecting to be a lot more pressured and it just wasn't. They were like, just, you can do what you can do. Oh, that's lovely. Um, Professor Chris Holland is, is the founding dean there. When we had him on the podcast, I was, I was saying how, how great it is to support this, partly because as I get older, Hopefully you guys will stick around in the area. And then by the time I'm starting to fall apart, my hips are going and stuff like that. You, all you guys coming through are going to be, you know, consultants by then. You can you can put me back together <laughs> again. So I've got my own selfish reasons for, for why I want to support Kent Medical School. But he said it's not just about 
the students staying around. We said that it's also really good for the current medical establishment around here, you know, the GPs, the consultants, the junior doctors, because it makes, there's a supervisory capacity to it. There's an educational element to their careers and it's actually really good for them. I should imagine having some young, fresh blood coming into your GP surgery, you know, bright eyed and hopefully enthusiastic about their future careers. Probably it's quite nice to have in the, especially if you're getting stick from the public and to actually have someone to vent to or talk to about it. Or Definitely. I mean, Kent obviously literally has nothing. You, you go to, I mean, in terms of if, like for studying, it's like you, you went to, before now you went to London or to Brighton and they were the closest places. And it, it's such a journey away. And the whole of Kent Healthcare is just going to have to change so much to accommodate us. They have no choice and they, ha- they have to do it. So the hospitals are going to get better. They're going to have more teaching facilities. They're going to have more people coming through. There's a lot of local people on the course that I kind of have, have come across already. So I would imagine that a lot of people are going to stay. So yeah, there's going to have more, be more local doctors. The GPs are going to have more going on. Obviously, we're massively short of GPs anyway in certain areas around Kent. So yeah, I, I just feel like in give it give it like five ten years when when we're first qualifying and and when like maybe you've got a whole kind of year groups coming for every year. There's just going to be such a different landscape to to the healthcare in Kent. The hospitals are just going to be so. I just think there'll be so much more going on there. It's very exciting, honestly. That's cool. When we were at the award ceremony, you told me about your hyper competitive family. I see you got a dartboard behind you. Because <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of competition going on. Yeah. it's Absolutely, my dad's fault that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. Um, I would say it's a problem, but it's fine because it's meant that I'm here and doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I'm very competitive, so. Once I got the, I got the highest in one of the tests, and it was like, okay, well, the next one, I'm not going to be happy if I don't, and I've just carried on with that. But that's helped me massively. It's, it, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for that, because I just get very, yeah. I get very obsessed with something, very onto it, and then I, I'm just going to do it. I love that tenacity of spirit. It's, <laughs> it's great to see. It, it, do you mind us talking about the? You said you applied to a few medical schools. Yeah. Didn't yeah. quite get where you wanted to be, and then came to this one. And isn't that why you went into biomedical? You yeah. did a biomedical degree. I did. I did biomedical science before purely to get into medicine because I had not done well enough at school. Um, so I knew I had to do this. Obviously, you can tell how much that would have pained me not to get in straight after school. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I did I did what really well on my degree. That was what was going to give me my chance to, to get here. And it did. So I came out of biomed, um, which I did at Kent. Um, I came out of a first. Um, my A-levels were reasonable. They weren't like amazing. I got an average score on the UCAT, which is the aptitude test that you have to do to get in. I had a little bit of experience. And when you apply to medical school, you apply to, do you apply to four medical schools? So I applied to four and three of them rejected me without interview. So literally just, that was it, gone. Yeah. Uh, sucks to be them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, Kent medical school. So, I mean, KMMS gave me the interview. Um, I got in and I literally just got the highest in the year so I think it, it, I, I just find it really funny to say that and I don't mean to brag because I, I worked really really hard to to get what I did last year but I just find it mental that obviously those medical schools didn't just didn't even consider me really mm. not even an interview to to go what's this guy like yeah you're not just a piece of paper mm. yeah I think we're all cheering that <laughs> on because it's so inspiring to have somebody be like oh, I didn't quite make the grade maybe here uh, but bloody hell I'm gonna do this so mm-hmm. I'm going to find a route around. Whilst you were the grand old Duke of York going up and down those stairs, I, you know, having spoken to you and your mum, I think just prior to the awards, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, good, good for you. <laughs> like smash this. Yeah, it's it's just obviously it's just a really hard degree to get into, and it, it should be because obviously mm. you need to be you need to 
be competitive and be good at what you're doing to, to be a doctor. But at the same time, I don't know, it's, I, I like the way that, uh, that KMMS has done their selection. It's not been as, as academically focused. They've looked at people a lot more. They've just gone a completely different way about selection. And I, I would say that that's, that's benefited them. What sort of things are they focused on in the selection process? So like the fact that you're working in a care home and a care setting, like things like that, does that, were you working there when you applied or did that factor or? Yeah, I'd kind of just started volunteering um, and you have to have some experience because if you haven't got the experience, then how do you know you, you want to be in that, in that setting? Yeah. A lot of people can be put off on that once they actually get in it. So I'm sure that, I mean, that goes in my personal statement and everything else and, and they do look at that, but they're, I mean, I won't try and fully explain that entry system because it's very complicated and it, I think it, it changes a little bit every yeah. now and then, but it just contextualizes you. So wherever you're applying from, they take only the grades that you've actually achieved, not just your predicted grades. And they look at that as not a ranking, but as a, with the people around you. So if you come from a certain school, they go, you know what, we're not going to look at you compared to someone hundred miles away. We're going to look at you at how you're doing in your area. And they contextualize every stage of your application. Um, and they don't just chuck people off because they didn't get this ridiculously high UCAT score or because they didn't get three A stars, A level. They have more of an allowance and they, they really look at every stage of the application to find kind of the right people as a whole, rather than just the person that got the highest grades and the highest mark and did this and did that. I also love that because when I got my A-level results, I wasn't particularly pleased with them. But then I looked at how much I dragged the school score up and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't do particularly well in absolute terms, but I dragged a very crap school up slightly. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should do that. Maybe they should do that on the UCAS form. Just like, is it still UCAS? Yeah, still yeah. UCAS, yeah. A metric of where you were relative in your school. So you're not from a medical family because it's a little bit like uh, Harry Potter in that sense, isn't it? It's like the the muggles coming in from other industries and then you get you get these dynasties, you get these medical families where... Mm. Dad and granddad was, and mum and grand grandmum, perhaps less commonly in the old days, were in the medicine. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't met too many students that actually come from entirely medical families, which I was a little bit surprised about. But I'm definitely not. My dad teaches people to drive trains. My mum works in finance. I'm pretty much the first one in my family to go to uni, so that was. Yeah, very different. Mm. And I don't know why I decided that I would do this, but here I am. Yeah. <laughs> here you are. And you got an interest in the sort of neurological side, you were saying? That's something you might aspire towards? That was definitely my first thing when I was at school. I, got, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a neurologist. That sounds really cool. I'm going to do that. When I went to uni, I would say that I didn't enjoy neurology as much as I thought I would. But given that I'm working in the care home and I work on a dementia ward, I have been. I'm, I really enjoy working with dementia, mm. and you'd never wish it on your own family. But it's actually amazing, and I love working there. So that's definitely given me an interest in psychiatry that I never had before. So neurology is definitely there. I like the idea of being a GP, having my own little rural practice somewhere. That'd be cool in Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Settling yeah. down. Yeah, that's another interest. Cardiology. I really enjoyed my cardiology module last year. I have no idea, to be honest, what I'm going to do. Absolutely no idea. We'll see when I get there, I guess. When I finish when I finish the medical school and, and start doing my rotations, we'll see what's the most interesting things and see where that takes me. Did the biomedical degree, did it give you a leg up? You knew which side the heart was on and things before you even... <laughs> yeah, I, I knew the basic. No, it, it definitely has helped. In some aspects, things are very new. It's such a baseline of knowledge that... I'll tell you what, actually, I'll tell you what the degree got me the most. It's the way I learn and study. 
I'm coming in and I know how my, my most efficient ways of studying already and everyone else like the undergrads that have joined they're trying to work that out while doing a medical degree and that's been yeah. difficult for them they've they spent the whole year trying different things um whereas i was kind of lucky because i knew roughly what i would be doing yeah so that's the benefit there Ooh, for me give us that what that sounds like there's a life hack there how do you study how do you oh, retain facts no you know my way is weird i don't think many people do it um it it's just right. works. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I used to do the pomodoro technique you ever no that? well that is no it's like 20 minutes it, it, it's called Pomodoro because the guy who invented it had this little tomato, Pomodoro, Italian tomato kitchen timer. And he'd set it to, I think, 25 minutes. And then he'd work intently. So you're not allowed any distractions. And then those 25 minutes, you know, if the phone rings or something, you've got to kind of start again or, you know, phone off. You're like focused for 25 minutes on exactly what you're doing, studying and learning. And then at the end of those 25 minutes, the alarm goes off. And then you have a five minute break and, and you are not, you have to have that five minute break. You, you've got to be really, really strict on it. So your brain has to have that downtime and then you go back and then you do another 25 minutes. So it's like, it's, all, it's like interval training your brain. You sort of 25 minutes and then five minute break, 25 minutes, five minute break. I, I still do it when, sometimes when I'm doing software engineering or coding because you, you have a tendency to sort of like, I don't know, try and just, work for like four hours or something but you you kind of get a bit tired and stuff and actually having those breaks means that you reset but one of the things i really found with it is if you if you try to ignore those breaks it's really tempting you get to the end of the 25 minutes and you're really into something mm. to go oh that's oh, right i'll just i'll just finish this thing off but actually it's really important not to because then when you go back to it you're coming back in from a point of flow in a flow state going back into it rather than I finished that thing off now and then it's hard to restart later on. So yeah, it's, it's called the Pomodoro technique. I don't know. It is on the available on the internet. <laughs> is there somewhere? <laughs> so that's, well, that's, that's the kind of weird technique. So what's your weird technique? Well, I am probably the absolute complete opposite. I mean, so I, I don't know. I have a weird memory. I would, it's, I have not got a photographic memory, but I have like a very good memory. So for me, I mean, a lot of people do like flashcards. There's lots of like cool online flashcard websites. One of them's called uh, Anki, which everyone uses. And a lot of people are using that. I literally, I get the lecture slides. I literally write them down in my own word. Well, not my own words. I, I pretty much just copy them out. Mm -hmm. I just rewrite them on, um, I've got an app called Notability on my iPad. I pretty much just write them all on there. I, it takes me a long time to write them. Like for one for a one hour lecture, it would take me like three or four hours to do to do that lecture and to understand it. But I just retain it really, really well. And then as it gets towards exam season, I will read through all of my notes quite in detail. And then a couple of days before the exam, I read through more again. And then the night before the exam or the day before the exam, I read through them really quickly. And I just I can just retain that really well and it all flows back to me very well. So I wouldn't advise it for everyone because it definitely doesn't work. But I don't know for me, I don't know, it, it takes too long, but it, it just it just works. Mm. Yeah. It's it's odd. It sounds like the trick is work really hard studying. <laughs> well, that, that 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 is the yeah, issue. It, it's it not is, much it, of a life hack. That that is that's what I mean. It's not a hack at all. It's just no. it's just this weird, <laughs> annoying way that I found that works for me. Yeah. And I'm just a bit concerned because, I mean it takes it takes so long. It takes way too long. 
it's mm-hmm. really hard to ha- try and have a balance with that. And last year, I definitely didn't have that balance, which COVID helped with because I didn't really need to. It's my way and I'm going to try and maintain that. However, that, yeah. that goes. Whatever works for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess the trick is just have a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely helps. Have a good memory and work really hard. Yeah. Work yeah. really, really hard. And spend four hours writing up <laughs> one hour later. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to work. It reminds me of a friend that was really good at playing the guitar. And I was like, oh, what's your, what's your, what's your technique? How did you get really good? Because I play a guitar and I never seem to quite improve to the level I'd like to. It's like, oh, every day I go home and I just play for like two hours. People watch TV, but, you know, I'll be cooking dinner and I'll pick the guitar up and then I'll just keep playing it. And I'm like, do you just practice for hours every week? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Now I know. Now I know how to do this. Yeah, everyone looks for hacks, but actually I think the trick is just do it it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Just work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Or Pomodoro technique. The lazy one. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not strict enough to have techniques like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, work, it works because it actually, I think one of the reasons that technique works is because it does help you work really hard, but it just breaks it up in a way that working really hard is more manageable. Yeah, exactly. Your, your way has no distractions, but when I'm doing my notes, because it takes so long, I'll just put TV and films on and mm. I'll just watch films while I do it. Oh my God, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and retain no, it. I generally watch films that I've seen before. So I'll end up literally, I'll just, I'll just watch like Harry Potter or Marvel or something just a billion times over. We could, yeah, software engineer. Alex, Alex used to do this. is like just sit there and code to the same song oh. all day. He'd get oh, like God. one song and he would, he'd, it'd be a song he knew really well and he'd put it on repeat on Spotify and he'd just sit there for a whole day listening to the same song again and again. Because it was like a, he sort of got his brain in a, in a pattern and a flow state yeah and because he knew all the words and stuff he didn't, didn't it's, distract yeah him. it's like it's like low level distraction but it means i can work for much longer than if i was just concentrating for a short mm. period that's good mm. i can't i can't do just i can't i wouldn't be able to do just one hour solid like, I, I hate that where i could literally do 10 hours watching films mm. because i'm just kind of distracted it's yeah. not the most efficient method but it's a bit more <laughs> enjoyable maybe yeah to each their own so you're into your second year now into my second year is it different no <laughs> no, it's, de- it's, de- it's definitely Early. different. Um, we're still doing online lectures at the minute, which is absolutely fine by me because that's how I like to learn. Um, but all of our kind of workshops and things are in person now. Mm. We've got loads of anatomy sessions coming up, pretty much back with the whole cohort, not as much social distancing. So rather than going to uni kind of once every few weeks, I'm going to be there three times a week now with people, which I guess is the only nice part of it (laughs) more money spent on petrol but yeah get to talk to people so yeah it's it's the same in lots of ways and it's different in lots of ways second year is very similar to first year you just you essentially just switch your your like content-based modules it just goes from certain topics to other topics bit harder bit more work but i know what i'm doing now so Mm. and you got a hack yeah get your own hack and i'm yeah i'm looking forward to to next year to be honest next year is hospital placements begin i feel like i'll feel like i'm an actual doctor next year yeah yeah that'd be amazing start to feel more real so what hospitals is it the east kent hospitals and uh ashford and yeah so that you've got um william harvey kent canterbury qbqm you've got like mason and tunbridge wells um there's some stuff up in Medway, like Medway Maritime. We could essentially be anywhere in in Kent. I would love to think that I'll be a bit more local to, mm. to myself, but obviously I know that it's important to to go to all the different hospitals and see how the, the way they all work um, and be in different places. Um, so I'm pretty sure over the, the, the years three, four and five, we'll just do a bit of everything 
everywhere. Yeah. Is there more placements this year? Is there more stuff for the GP surgeries? And- yeah, another seven weeks this year. So one more week than last year. Should be kind of similar things. It's developing our, our basic clinical skills and our communication skills, which is what's different to the other unis because they don't really have, have that same level of focus on that. Or is there actually specific training in communication skills? To- we, we, yeah, like we have a whole module called, well, a couple of modules really that run the, the whole year um, that are based on like one of them's based primarily on, on ethics and, and person-centered practice and one that's based on skills for clinical practice. And in that we will have specific communication sessions, you know, how, how you might deal with someone with, with communication impairments mm. or, or people from different environments to you. We've got like lectures coming up this week on caring for refugees and asylum seekers because it's something you don't really think about. And we have lots of specific sessions like that that are trying to improve us as doctors rather than just someone that can treat your illness, basically. Right. Yeah. Actually treats the persons. Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually not uncommon, is it? Dealing with people who English is their second language and you know, how do you communicate that? Yeah, definitely. And, and it just and like there's so many things you wouldn't think about when you have to communicate as a doctor. Um, so there's lots of emphasis on, on those skills and actually making us tr- treat a person and everything about their life rather than them just coming in with a headache and you treat that one thing or something mm. and sort the whole life out. Anything on the course that you weren't expecting to be there or kind of that you're learning? I, think, I wouldn't... I wouldn't have expected that kind of communication element to it. I, th- I think there's uh, Dr. Michael Mosey does a lot of the kind of eight, uh, five, two diets and things like that. He was saying that there's not a lot of nutritional training in mm. medical degrees. Is it, is it much of that coming in or? Yeah, you know, we had a, we had a couple of lectures last year about that. I don't know. I, I don't know. What, what wasn't I expecting? I had no idea what to expect. It's been so different to my last degree, just completely. Mm. That I just, I was just happy to be here and everything that's going to come. I'm just going to just do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I had no idea what to expect and I still have no idea what to expect because th- this year I do because it was very similar to last year, but next year is going to be like complete flipped and I have no idea how to take that. And fourth and fifth year, you're like in pretty much entirely in hospitals. I think we'll probably be kept on our toes. Yeah. I don't know what, what I didn't expect. Strange question, I guess. <laughs> it was a strange question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or strange answer anyway. No, no, no. You're That's right the first time. I like to ask the weird one. If there's one thing our listeners should know, what would that be? Oh my. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> that is a question, isn't it? Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a big question. What's yeah. your... That's the big message you have for exactly. life. Oh, you could have emailed me that one that question before. Yeah, I could you? have. I could have. <laughs> no, um, what would what would I say to what maybe what would I say to someone is literally just I know it sounds really cheesy, but if you want to do something, just literally do it. Just just don't stop. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna not throw someone in it, but I know someone from uni, and it's so easy to doubt yourself and doubt what you're doing because I've doubted myself so many times on the way to be here. But actually, just stop doing it. Just do what you need to do um, and actually just put the work in and you'll get where you want to be. Just work. That's really that good. That's really perfect. good. I know. Che- che- cheesy, but no, just just, no. Just, put the, just put the work in and you'll be where you want to be. That's perfect. I have to say, we came back from our awards thing and Francesca, my wife, was like, oh, he's so great. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's going to be brilliant to have on a podcast. It'd be really good to talk to. He's so, you know. You go in places. Be very impressed. Thanks very, very much impressive. for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we should visit you in uh, year three and four and see how the doctors are at the hospitals. Yeah, yeah you can ask me all the same questions and see how much it's changed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll be like, I've, I've had enough. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> They're so mean. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't sure do this. <laughs> uh, wow. yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool.
I don't think so. Not I don't either. think so. <laughs> I think you've got a great career in medicine there. Yeah. You? And you, you're very personable, which will take you very far. Thanks, yeah. Scott. <laughs> well done on your cool. awards yeah congratulations really, thank you very, very much very, very and, impressive and thanks for your donating your award <laughs> I'm That's sure right. someone will be very happy next year <laughs> yeah yeah I hope so thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardisms we really hope you enjoyed hearing about Declan's journey and his hopes for the future of not only medical students but his own career you can find out more about Sard by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at sardjv and use hashtag Sardisms until next time have a great week